0: Um, Many years back, while I was still working in Singapore, I got an invitation to speak in a medical conference here in Hong Kong. So the organisers were very generous. They put me up in a six-star hotel. Well, whatever it means. that was well before this dictation becomes a phenomenon. (laughs) But interestingly, right after that visit to Hong Kong, I was to fly out uh, to Indonesia to join a medical mission team. So that was right after the double jeopardy of tsunami and earthquake in the outskirts Indonesian island. So for all those uh, 10 days, we were staying out in all-stars hotels. Well, by all-stars, we are really tenting out because after the earthquake, we don't dare to stay in-house. But that uh, sleeping out in the open allowed us the perfect occasion to glaze upon the stars in mere darkness in the countryside. So that would uh, help us recall the, the, the painting by Vincent van Gogh, Starry Night. Well, um, that was told to be the easiestly uh, comprehensible pictures of his making. Anyway, uh, actually, it's uh, more than 2,000 years ago, Paul had already in mind About morning stars that shine. In Philippians chapter 2, it said, So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a crooked and twisted generation, that you will shine among them like stars in the sky. So it remains for us to ponder what shining morning stars really means as we continue our alternative society series, a new way of living, paying particular attention to holiness. Well, this study would demand more than your usual attention. Is that okay? <laughs> okay, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but also in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Therefore, do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and twisted generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life." So in a nutshell, the Philippians were to devote themselves to practical Christianity, working out their salvation. Then they were to be characterized by positive steadfastness, never scumble to complaining or grumbling. So in short, God is a holy God. He chooses for himself a people, and confer holiness to his people and we the holy people are to live our holy lives so for practical is Christianity it is for us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in us now last we are caught up with the theological debate between work and salvation so for today It's suffix to understand that the dynamics of salvation is already, not yet. Using a word of play, Paul said that they were to work out because God works in. God works in them and providing them the motivation and the ability to do His good pleasure. Now this passage actually recalls the Philippians 1 passage, where Paul expressed his confidence in them because what God has begun, a good work, he would bring it to completion. How then is it best for us to understand fear and trembling? That brings us to the original notion of who our holy God is and that would necessitate a quick look at the Old Testament. Now holiness in the Hebrew Bible is intrinsically connected to God, His very being. God is the Holy One par excellence, with the exclusive power to confer holiness unto others. Not only is God the source of holiness, but human bodies like us will require holiness in order to be in proximity to the deity. Now, we often think of getting prepared as the Israelites through the sacrificial system, gaining access to the Most High. So for illustration, many of you are aware that I practice surgery. So how we prepare to gain access to the operating room, the holy place, bears some resemblance. To go into the operating theatre, we need to get changed um, into necessary gears, masks, um, hair cover, scrubs, and boots. But, But this is only the beginning get into the operating room and be involved in surgery, we actually need to go through another round of cleansing. We have to scrub for at least three minutes using antiseptic lotions. That's why Vivian always says, well, my hands are very smooth. (laughs) Well, then we have to put on sterile gowns and gloves. In fact, uh, it is advisable to use double gloves. Now, this is a mutual protection for patients and for ourselves. Back in the days of SARS or even in this COVID season, gaining access to patients' airways as in giving anesthesia before surgery is actually considered high-risk procedures for the medical personnel. In fact, a years back, we, we lost quite a few colleagues while they are doing intubation. Uh, we have to gang up using higher standard uh, like N95 masks and also the, what we call astronauts OT costumes. Now even with all those, we really come forth in fear and trembling as we are never 100% sure that we are prepared and fortunate to face the dire consequence of not being good enough. With that in mind, it may be easier for us to understand why the Israelites, as they come before God, Yahweh, in the Mount Sinai, They would rather that Moses approach God on their behalf. Now, however, while much emphasis was laid on maintaining cleanliness by the holiness code to come before God, the status of holiness was actually conferred in the first place. In Exodus, the Israelites were summoned into a special relationship with God, described by three phrases a special possession amongst all peoples, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Israel is to be God's own people, set apart from other nations for its own service, just as priests were set apart and marked by a quality of life in alignment with the holiness of the covenant with God. Israel is holy because she is called by God as his, own people. However, holiness should not be narrowly understood as separation or just setting apart. Israelites' holiness has a communal implication. It is to be manifested in social relationships with strangers, with the poor, and with the surrounding nations. In their shared living, Israel is called to model the life of the Godhead, to live out the love the goodness and justice of God for the nations to see and be drawn to. Now, fast forward to the New Testament era. It is helpful to recall the words of Hebrews. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in times of need, that we may come before a holy God at any time of our needs, Is really made possible by the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll have a bit more of elaboration next week on this. Now, a a New Testament approach to understanding, approaching the Holy God is in fact best illustrated in the Lord's Prayer. This, then, is how you should pray, Our Father in heaven, may your holy name be honoured. As a father of two grown-up adults in their late 20s, I would not like them to come to me in fear and trembling, nor I expect them to come in perfection. I just treasure that they come to me as often as they desire. The interesting paradox we have for modern-day believers is rather, now that we can come forth to a heavenly Father at any time without fear, Do we, do we really come to him as often as he desires? So, what is Paul's thought on holiness as reflected in the Philippians? It might be helpful to reconnect today's passage to the prayer in chapter 1, as well as the drive to perfection, as will be mentioned in chapter 3. Philippians 1, and this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best, in order that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruits of righteousness. As one examines the prayer, it becomes evident that Paul is concerned with the holiness of the Philippians. Paul expects them to live a holy life in the present, even as they anticipate the day of Christ. Thus, holiness is the moral character of our lives, here and now, that will prepare us to stand the test of that great day, whenever it comes. Towards chapter 3, the, em- the emphasis of holiness, of it being a process, is best illustrated by Paul's own commitment. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So, a quick summary of what we have on Paul's thinking of holiness. Number one, Paul's call for holiness is greatly influenced by his outlook for the future, namely the second coming of Jesus Christ. Second, the holiness that Paul calls his church is both corporate and personal. We are to shine together as a community. And third, the word perfection reminds us that we maintain the tension which exists in the words to make perfect as a verb and perfect as an adjective. Well, actually, to put it in very simple terms, it is work in progress. Now, let's come back to our anchor verses in chapter 2, where Paul's understanding of holiness is primarily communal. We become related to Christ singly, but we cannot live in Christ as isolated individuals. God is not just making individuals holy, which he certainly does but he's making a people holy. How about positive steadfastness? Philippians 2 reminds us to do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Paul uses the language in the songs of Moses that stands near the end of Deuteronomy that describes the unfaithfulness of a wicked generation of Israelites who were brought out of Egypt. They grumble as a sign of their mistrust in the goodness of God. Now Paul believes that the Philippians were to stand in continuity of the ancient call of God. Paul's Exhortation on holiness to the Philippians is that they are to live as God's holy people in a dark world that Paul describes in the starkest terms as crooked and perverse. If the Philippians can succeed in fulfilling this vocation, they will shine as stars in the universe as they hold on to the word of life. This is the vocation that, according to Isaiah, Israel was supposed to carry to be the light amongst the Gentiles so that the salvation of God might be brought to the ends of the earth. Paul's exhortation presents holiness both in negative and positive terms. In a negative sense, Paul called upon the Philippians to shy from grumbling and questioning. So, do not grumble. Now in my own workplace context, different development strategies eventually precipitates the breakdown of a very long-standing partnership in the company. That we have different financial goals as a business entity is entirely understandable. What was very painful and hurtful was the grumbles and complaints even before we part way, And it had a tremendous impact even on myself. I'm hoping that as a church body, we can do better than in a secular setting. In fact, Paul employs three terms to describe the stage of readiness in which the believers in Philippi are to keep themselves. The first, blameless. It actually appeared also in Genesis, whereby God commanded Abraham to walk before him and be blameless. And that was exactly the idea that was echoed in Psalm, "Who may ascend to the holy mountains? Those who are pure in heart and clean in hands." The second term, "innocent," is found in Matthew. Jesus said, "I am sending you out like sheep amongst wolves; therefore, be as shrewd as snakes, and be innocent as doves." It is translated as "innocent" with ethical overtones. Christ-followers are to be characterized by a delicate balance of prudence and purity. The third term, to be without blemish, is actually a very often Old Testament context of worship, whereby without blemish is applied to animals that were meant for sacrifice. However, it was also used to describe the person's moral state so his call to the philippians is really to be blameless innocent and without blemish he's calling for moral transformation in every aspect of the believer's life it is a life that should be beyond reproach in every area the philippian christians are to present themselves as holy and acceptable sacrifice to god the result of their living is that they will shine as light. And yet, even with their imperfections, they could progress to become the light of the world to those in darkness. So what does it mean to shine as morning stars in our times? I will name three areas that I learned from my seminary professor teaching faith and work. So he brought up a version of three Cs in the workplace, namely competence, care, and character. It is not difficult to understand competence. Do it with excellence. Do it, and do it well. Period. Now, however, just doing well without grumbling and complaining. Grumbling may not have much bearing on your competence in a strict sense, but your reputation and that of Christ would be at stake. On the other hand, while we work diligently, Jesus will always open a door for us to care for others in the workplace. Our practice recently moved to a newer, yet more compact venue, where, after all, rental in Central is prohibitively high, in a sense that it's also a reflection of the very distorted economic system in the deprived generation. But my honest confession is that as the company pushes to cut costs for enhanced efficiency, we are driving our employees to the brink of breakdown. Some of my staff lamented that they are losing the joy of serving. So while my initial thought was to invite my fellow elders to come around me to bless me and my business, in preparation that morning, I had a restaurant prompting that the office blessing should be about my colleagues and my staff. So the few of us who gathered that morning, we took time to invite, uh, to invite my staff to pray for them individually. Really, in those weeks of tremendous stress from the fiscal move, the adjustments to new workflow and new management changes, they yearned for comfort and strength, and I dare to believe that God's light shone on them and illuminated their paths. In fact, at the opportune time, we shall need to be bold enough to speak on behalf of others. I'm a minority um, shareholder in my company, but I felt compelled to speak to the management regarding improvement of the staff's welfare, And I'm glad to be reassured by them that they are making every effort to rectify the situation, and that they care. So be proactive. I challenge you to come forth, to offer prayers for your staff, for your peers, and for your boss. Why not? The other day I was somewhat stressed out in preparation for a fairly difficult surgery. Lo and behold, I received a text from my patient's daughter. She encouraged me that she prayed for me, believing that I shall be a blessing to her father. She became my morning star as she cared. But most of all, Paul is demanding our character. The key for character remains fearing in reference to God. By this, I mean we honour Him in our, all our areas of living, working and being. As a surgeon who had practiced for more than 30 years, I confess that actually I'm fearful many a times. While well, the irony is some measured fear turned out to be helpful for us to stay prudent for complicated as much as for mundane surgeries. The fear is not so much that there may be shortcomings of our own making or complications, even sometimes undesirable outcomes, including mortality, beyond our control or understanding. The reference is that we acknowledge, ultimately, God is sovereign. He is the healer. We are just the instruments to care. We are the morning stars. They reflect His glory. But as stars, we can also shine together as a body. I mentioned about the medical mission team for the earthquake relief, whereby we serve different communities in the outskirts of the Indonesian island. We were indeed shining for Christ for an otherwise limited access nation, even when the earth was literally shaken. Here in Hong Kong, we are coming across a major shaking ourselves. Richard Nepo wrote a very important theological piece reflecting on Christ and culture. He put two extreme ends. On the one end is Christ entirely against culture. On the other end is Christ entirely for culture. But they put forth a different way. Christ, or rather, Christians, in our interaction with the culture, we can actually transform culture. And that may be the way out. That is, we can take culture's fallenness seriously, but continue to will and to act hopes for conversion within it. Well, some of us may regard this as a gloriously impossible mission. But we may also argue that at the time of Paul's writing, the early Christian churches, including the Philippian church, they learned and practiced humility, self-sacrifice, joy, care for others, and most of all, fear of Jesus Christ as the Lord instead of Caesar as the Lord. Indeed, they shined and subverted the culture where they lived as an alternative society. In this season, our generation may also choose to live out differently, to act out the fear and reference to our true God, regardless of the external society pressures. For instance, the society may not fully appreciate the work of manual labourers, including street cleaners, who actually serve us so well, especially in this COVID season. Yet the volunteers from Stop. Under the branches of hope, they shine. They reach out to the street cleaners in our neighborhood. They prepare simple lunch boxes, but with a lot of love, care, and respect. And for all you know, it is because our fellow brothers and sisters from the Arise community who are able to speak their languages, they join us so that this church can reach out to very different nationalities. So in conclusion, may God find our response of fear and reverence entirely appropriate. We are to fear Him in the sense that we recognize His holiness and the respect and honor due Him, as our heart yearns, as His heart yearns for us. We can always approach Him, His throne of grace, with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our times of need. We shall then shine as we meet the need of others. In fact, most importantly, we shall bring others to our holy God, even as we shine. Can I invite the the worship team to come and join us? I'll share the story of one of my patients. She actually well, she literally come with fear and trembling. Honestly, more before because she was overwhelmed by her medical condition. Yet along the way, as many come around to support her, to pray with her, she became much better pre- prepared to proceed. She was learning to fear God as the sovereign as well as the good God, the Holy One. She made an impressive and speedy recovery to the extent that she quickly volunteered to serve. In fact, she served in our children's ministry for the underprivileged just this summer vacation. She served with much joy and became one of the most beloved volunteers. She is shining in her own right, as one of the morning stars alongside with many other stars in our midst. So each one of us here, we can look up the sky and envisage that we can also shine alongside many others from this congregation as morning stars. Can I invite all of us to stand together as we worship, as a symbolic act, I would suggest that you bring out your handphone You switch on your torch mode and continue to shine as morning stars, even as we worship together.